So mm-hmm. with the coffee addition, will this still be a solid bowl beer? I mean, we have the alcohol content for it, but will that coffee fade after time? Sellable. Well, I thought you said sellable, and I was oh, like, sellable. so no. I, I hope we can sell it. I, I think everybody loves a coffee so, beer. I, I absolutely. <laughs> okay. Sellable. Cheers. You've stumbled on into the Tap Takeover podcast. It's so big. Like, so big. Welcome back to the Tap Takeover podcast. This is our third part in our Mobcraft collaboration. Today we're talking with Sam and Kayla about the design of the, the beer labels. The first part was coming up with the idea for the beer. Second part was actually tasting the beer. So now this is our third part. We're actually gonna ready to put this out, everybody, and have a label on it. Just this is what you'll find in the stores. I guess where do we start here? Well, your guys's beer is based on a lot of using different ingredients from throughout the communities. I guess where do you guys see what imagery comes to mind when you think of Milwaukee community, all that kind of stuff? Well, I guess the the bullet points that I had were local neighborhood the idea of of milwaukee being cream city brick Mm -hmm. and brick being solid so incorporating that into the label well also the fact that it's called a solid non-fail stout which is uh you know a lot of people don't know that's what we call our production company so it's kind of what we wanted to go with as far as the beer and having that yeah that solid imagery of the cream city brick and you know as, as long as that's been the emblematic imagery of milwaukee and incorporating that into the beer label I would kind of like to know from you guys, like what, when, when somebody comes to you and they just kind of have a general idea like we did, what goes into that production process? Like where, where do you guys go creatively in order to come up with some of the imagery that you guys use? We email the crowdsourced winner every month when it's during, through our regular vote. We have a little question in there like, do you have any ideas right off the bat? Some people usually have a very basic idea. Uh, some people once in a while have a full-fledged thing going on and it's a matter of balancing between you know how can we pull this all together and make it something that people want to see on the shelves and whatnot so we start out with uh, just kind of gauging what their imagery expectations are for this label and then I usually try to push it because not even me not the first idea that comes to my head is always the best idea or the most flushed out so I do research and uh, gather a lot of inspiration. Pinterest is definitely a great tool to use to get, they have actually a lot of great beer imagery and just inspiration on there. So I try to gather that up and then I usually send initial sketches to the winner and try to see if we're all on the same page. And so. Do you have any uh, regulations, uh, government regulations that you have to abide by that Oh, yes. Yes, I deal with the government quite extensively. It's called the TTB, and they're really mostly concerned about wording, making sure nothing's misleading on there. Don't want to, you know, promote that a beer could be healthy when it clearly <laughs> isn't, you know. Yeah, and just making sure you don't use any, like, certain imagery, you, not 
using we can't use any flags on the labels or anything associated with uh, any military branches and stuff so those are some of the big things and just there's other random little things in between but I usually don't get too much pushback in imagery it's mainly the text that's on the label that makes sure it's an accurate representation of the beer so what are what are some of your timelines or deadlines that you guys have to meet from brainstorming to completion a lot of that depends on the format of packaging that we're using. Like for our cans, we have a tighter turnaround time because our lead time on those is a little longer. But if it's labels, we have a nice short lead time. So government approval takes about a week, and then label printing takes about a week. So so for our beer, you know the ideas of the solid. The other thing we wanted to kind of discuss was a clean look. I think mm. that's what we were going for. I know we have uh, coffee in there, we have uh, maple syrup in there. We really didn't want to have like these maple leaves all over the place or pancakes or that imagery or like coffee beans or just a cup of coffee. I guess how do you now take all these random thoughts and (laughs) condense it down to a label? Oh geez. (laughs) Keeping all that imagery in mind, some things that come to mind for me is imagining Milwaukee has a lot of great street art and imagining maybe one some of those like simplified advertising signs you know that say like that kind of has like a cafe-esque type of like mural outside of that on that cream city brick or something that would be outside the building I could see give it that kind of cafe look where paint like hand painted on have some nice typography that definitely lends to the the craft in this and bringing in the coffee elements as well so well speaking of typography i guess i like the when you talk about milwaukee you always think about those neighborhood signs Mm -hmm. and how you know the river west one and i think there's a baby you know all these different neighborhoods so can we get something like that in our label yeah i could i definitely feel like that would fit great with uh incorporating that and I know they have the little like dividing X's and stuff like that in between the letters. So maybe incorporating a hop or some barley or something like that, or even the coffee bean would be pretty cool to kind of pay homage to that. So then what are the next steps? I guess you come up with a sketch and then... Yeah, yeah, you kind of give you guys a couple sketch options, which direction you want to take it in. And then I will get a render up and send it to the government to get the ball rolling, have all the label um, text and stuff be be all set so that they don't come back and <laughs> question me because that's the biggest holdup usually. Have you ever been like rejected or what what happens then? Yeah I one of the only rejections I had to deal with was uh, for our Aunt Hazel the using hazelnuts. I We had to get a formula approval for that because there's a certain list of ingredients that you don't have to get a formula for they're just kind of already approved but then hazelnuts was not on that list. I didn't know that. And so I had to bug our head brewer ranger. I'm like, you need to fill out the formula so I can link that to my submissions. They know this is all, you know, good to go. So what about coffee beans and possibly even a maple leaf? Like how do you guys want to incorporate the the adjuncts that we're using, the the maple syrup and the and the coffee into the label? I think as you guys were saying simpler is better and I 
using some icons of maybe a coffee bean or a little maple syrup bottle that could even maybe have a little maple leaf. I think that would be cute and, well, sorry, not cute, but... Yeah, <laughs> what, what? They're very cute. <laughs> yeah. It's what, how what? people describe us all yeah. the time. <laughs> I'm sure. Wow. I think that... <laughs> I think that'll incorporate nicely into the labels. How many basic designs do you go through to you, you know, come to a final product? Depends. Some, some you, are let's, hits. Let's, let's say, like, what was your most difficult and what was your easiest? How many proofs did it go through? One of my most difficult was a crowdsourced beer a few years ago, and it was called Mr. T or something, and uh, it was just hard trying to get a character that fit that description well so definitely went through three like almost flushed out three whole designs before finally like every henry and everyone was like this isn't you know i don't know if this accurately describes it if this one does this one so finally we arrived (laughs) and being on a tight turnaround that's (laughs) that's a lot of work in a short amount of time but um, another beer was Cranberry Censored, it's now called, and the two gentlemen that made that beer up knew exactly they wanted a little football player dumping a barrel of beer on the coach. So <laughs> That's an easy one. To yeah, that, I was like, wow, that is like one of the best ideas, like just straight out that. So that probably, you know, took like maybe just a couple rounds of revisions, but the others obviously were a lot more work. <laughs> So for like this one, do we get final say on this, or is this still Henry has to okay everything? I mean, obviously, or I think it's coming to it. I mean, we want this to represent your guys's vision and what you guys are all about, definitely, without a doubt. And um, Henry kind of he doesn't have a creative background, but he's the boss, so he still gets a say <laughs> to some extent. Okay. But I, I'm sure he'll be in agreement with your guys's. Um, decisions and vision as well. Kayla, I'm also kind of curious about uh, your experience with the proofs. Have you had a very difficult one? Have you had a very easy one that you can kind of compare? Oh boy. Well, I am less on the side of proofing and more on the side of timelines and making sure that deadlines are met and that production is staying in line with design. So I'm more of a communication liaison between production and design. So a little bit less with the actual label design process and that approval, but more in making sure that when your guys' beer is brewed and like moving through that process, that the label is also moving through the process with it so we don't get caught off guard and have a label or a beer without a label. Yeah, so have you ever had a really bad incident where production happened and TPB came back and said, nope? You gotta come back with a whole new label. Yeah, we've had to hold beers up before because of label approval, and sometimes the government is just difficult like that, and it's totally fine. They have to have their rules too, but yeah, we've definitely run into some things like that. So has there ever been an incident where you've really impacted production where beers had to sit in a fermenter for weeks and months? No, it's no, no, <laughs> never no. gotten to that point. It's usually off by a few days. I mean, back in the day when we were first getting this all rolling and figuring out how we wanted our processes to go, there were longer delays. It was mostly with um, can proofing because our can proofing is a little bit of a slower process just because you have to go through proofs with a whole other company. But um, yeah, I'd say that those are probably our biggest holdups. 
So as far as uh, some of the other clients that you've dealt with, with the crowdsourcing, I mean, you guys have to deal with just about anybody who comes up with a good beer recipe. Correct. Uh, would you say that we've been some of your easier folks? Or, uh, has this been a more difficult one? Where, where do we rate on that scale? So far, pretty, pretty easy. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to, you know, completely honest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nah, just be honest. We encourage honesty. We encourage swearing if you need to. <laughs> it's constructive oh, yeah. criticism. <laughs> so I guess tell us about the other parts of the label. It's not just a logo. Um, mm -hmm. There's a description and all that stuff. Now, who, is that something that we contribute to, like a description of the beer? Or is that something that you guys um, kind of throw the first stab at, like just come up with an idea? Um, you guys uh, definitely have a big say in what kind of goes on there. We want to make sure we, you know, the description meets your visions and also, you know, kind of rope in what you guys do with this podcast into it. That's how we treat the crowdsource labels as well, because when they submit the recipe, they usually have a preliminary description. But Kayla here really tries to <laughs> wordsmith it and make it as best as she can. Yeah. So you did a great job with ours. I mean, oh, we thought thank it was you. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we threw you kind of some, you know, uh, what we thought were a couple curveballs. We want to keep yeah. it local ingredients, and we want to kind of focus in on some of the the collaborators that we've dealt with outside of even just Mobcraft. And I think it's turned out fantastic. Great. Yeah. Um, basically, what I did there was just asking you guys exactly what you wanted to see in the label. And then you were able to tell me, yeah, we want to make sure that the fans are incorporated and that all of these local ingredients are incorporated and that the collaboration is incorporated. So it was taking all of those pieces and rolling them into a nice little package. Piece of cake, right? Yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I read it, I'm like, she's done this before. This yes. Is <laughs> we, we all read it, and we were just like, yeah, that, that's awesome. Great. So do you have pushback on that every once in a while? A little bit. Sometimes the winners will just be like, yes, I, this is how I want the beer described. But usually we can persuade them to make it a little more approachable for the general audience that we're trying to get the beer to. Just like most of the, submit, or the um, customers that submit the beers, they're not artists. They're also not writers either. Right. So <laughs> no offense to everybody out there, but <laughs> we, we try to help you with what we got. <laughs> and uh, just to read it for our readers, uh, just so Kayla can get some credit here, it reads, uh, this Tap Takeover podcast collaboration with Mobcraft Beer allows everyone behind the brew to shine from the collaborators to the fans. An imperial stout featuring Milwaukee-sourced ingredients, specialty dark chocolate malts from Proximity Malts, a custom coffee blend from Anodyne Coffee Roasting Company, and maple syrup from Callis Honey Farm, this solid non-fail stout for solid non-fail fans. I honestly, I thought of how we could have written that, and I couldn't have put it better myself. Hands off. You seriously could not have put it better yourself. You nailed it. No, it was perfect, so... Awesome. Well, I, I think that'll do it for us. Thank you, ladies, for uh, for sharing some time and talking for about this us. process. It's It's been a really eye-opening experience going behind the curtain on this whole uh, collaboration, the whole crowdsourcing thing with Mobcraft. So thank you for spending some time with us. And uh, uh, we are going to be back after some beer news and talk with Henry and Andrew, hopefully, about the state of the beer right now. And we're sitting here on Brew Day talking about uh, what we're actually doing, which is pretty cool. So uh, thank you guys for, for joining us. Awesome. Thank you. Of course, thanks for having us. That's right. Welcome to Beer News.
This episode's easily accessible beer is Pseudo Sue from Toppling Goliath. This 6.2% single hop pale ale showcases the citra hop for a well-balanced beer that is delicate in body with a mild bitterness in the finish. She roars with ferocious aromas of grapefruit, citrus, mango, and evergreen. The Pseudo Sue's unique taste is clean and bright with just enough bite. Make sure you get the four-pack that's in the box for this one, folks. Since moving all their outsourced core line back to their new facility in Decora, Pseudo Sue is back to its roots, reinventing itself back into the beer you originally fell in love with. In beer release news, our first collaboration beer, the Solid Non-Fail Stout, is still on sale for pre-order with a scheduled release date of mid-March. Brewed at Mobcraft Brewing in Milwaukee, it's an Imperial Coffee Maple Stout that will be clocking in at over 11% ABV. It's brewed with local ingredients including roasted barley from Proximity Malt, maple syrup from Callis Honey Farm, and a custom blend of coffee from Anodyne Coffee Roasting Company. To get yours, go to our website and look for the Order Now button. And we've also received news lately that Rays will have it available as well when it's released. Firestone Walker took a year off from releasing their Succuba. Now they've brought it back for one last run, and that will be it for the Stellar Beer. So this may well be your last chance to score some bottles for your cellar. The barley wine has been aged in American oak bourbon barrels until hints of vanilla and cocoa melded with toasted coconut and whispers of dark cherry emerge. It's 12.5% ABV and delivers a haymaker of alcohol, so go easy on it. It's a truly unique sip of beer that's worth slowing down for. In upcoming events, this Saturday, March 10th, 1840s Brewery releases two new beers. The first is Orbital Motion, a New England IPA that is double dry hopped with Azaka, Equinot, and Galaxy Hops. It clocks in at 7.2% ABV and will set you back 8 bucks a bottle with no limit on purchases. The second is Burnt. A stout fermented on wood staves from a freshly dumped Heaven Hills barrel, then blended with cold brew from Hawthorne Roasters and Costa Rican cacao nib tea. At 8.85% ABV, the limit is one and it will cost you $15. Join the boys at Eagle Park for three days of a beer-filled extravaganza from March 22nd to March 24th as they close their chapter on their Bayview location. They'll be bringing back their biggest hits from the past year in celebration as they prepare their new bigger place on the Near East side. Keep checking back for an update as to when their new spot will be open. While not truly a festival, dates are set for Milwaukee Beer Week on April 14th through April 21st. Sponsored by the distributor Beachwood Sales and Service, rare tappings throughout the city of Milwaukee are the norm. Specific events have not yet been set, but stay tuned to beer news as they are announced. If you're a huge fan of microphones, smells like mean spirit, mark Saturday, April 28th on your calendar. Barrel-aged Imperial Smells Like Bean Spirit drops at a ticketed beer festival in honor of this brew. Microphone Smells Like a Beer Festival hasn't named any breweries yet, but it is promising some of the best in the country. Keep your eyes on their social media as to a date the tickets go on sale and hope you're able to get some, because this will almost sell out immediately. Along with an entrance to the fest, you'll be able to buy an allotment of barrel-aged bean spirit. As to how many bottles you can purchase, this has not yet been announced. And thanks for listening to this episode's edition of Beer News. Andy, thanks for another great edition of Beer News. So we're back after Brew Day. We're at the end of the day, we're here with uh, Andrew and Henry. So we're going to talk about the whole process here. It has been an amazing brew day. It's amazing to see our recipe go from, you know, just a concept uh, in our first episode to kind of a tasting in our second episode to actually putting it into a 30-barrel system. You guys have been through this before, so you guys have seen this done, and you guys have done it a number of times. 
how has this iteration of the uh, the crowdsourcing been compared to some others? Well, today was a day. Hoofda. Yeah, it was very fun. Like, <laughs> I mean, you guys were the first people here, I believe. <laughs> a little bit of excitement in you. Um, this is, was a little bit more in-depth than I would say like our typical crowdsourcing in that... You guys came here every other day. Yeah, you, you guys, I mean, you know, sometimes... <laughs> a lot of harassment, yeah. How's my beer? How's my beer? No, I'm kidding. I, I will um, take down my tent outside. So you guys, you guys have been... So parts of the process that you guys were involved in right off the bat are usually the parts that we don't involve people in until much later in the process. So you guys were right up in there, but like that's the thing is you guys were helping develop because you guys knew what you wanted. You were very specific. You guys had a lot of ideas on what we wanted to explore. And so we took all of those in and we involved you in that process where we would just normally we would do that internally and figure that out. Yeah, I think but the, you guys were there every pretty much every step of the way. I think the biggest difference is that you guys know beer in and out and in and out and in and out where you can see the progression of a beverage come along and be able to take some really fine points that you want changed or adapted. So that's what we'll normally do on an internal basis when we're going through and sampling because a lot of times people who submit beers might be from from Denver or California and they can't come out and sample the beer all the time. And then some other times people are like, put this and this in a beer and it's going to be awesome. And then they just let us take it from there. So from that aspect, it's been a little bit different, but that's the reason that it's the funnest is to get excitement to see you try it for the first time to, you know, hear about the different coffee changes we might want to do, et cetera. Well, when you talk about like us knowing stuff, it's really just, it's really Jim. Jim mm. is our home brewer. He knows a lot about this stuff and he helped out with the recipe a lot. And it's the first time I'm going to say this on the podcast. So I'm glad we got on wax. I'm really glad you're a part of this. <laughs> no, but seriously, we actually had a little bit of an issue today. Our temperature was a little bit higher. I, I you know, as right at a, the very beginning. Yeah. yeah. So it looked like we were about three degrees high and then you guys were because I was talking to you guys about the maple syrup and then you're like, oh, well, the temperature is really high. And then we measured it again as we started the research. And so that's the thing is usually we'll take temperature measurements throughout the mash just to make sure that we're on an even playing field. And so it looked like initially it was really high. And then as we started the research, it got down to about 154 and it looked like 153 to 154. And I think that's right around where we wanted to be. But as a novice, like I really don't know when you say 157, 153, mm. what does that really mean? Because, you know, Jim was saying like we really want to be around that 153, 154. But when it was like 157, so you know, it, it, yeah. when I'm hearing it, I'm like, oh, well, what's the big deal? Both what of those are really, hot. Yeah. yeah. What does that really mean? <laughs> so there, there are two different enzymes, and I always mix up their names, but there's one that's activated at a higher temperature. Usually, generally, it's accepted that the higher activated one starts at the ideal activation temperature is 155 to 160. So that's the ideal temperature for that enzyme. And that enzyme takes care of all the long chain sugar, takes care of like the large long chain sugars. Now, the other one, which activates at a lower temperature. Now it's alpha amylase and beta amylase, and I always forget which one's which, but basically the other enzyme is activated from about 148 to about 154 to 155. So in general, and that's the one that actually causes, produces short chain fermentable sugars by yeast. So basically in general, what that means in practical brewing experience is that the lower your temperature, the drier your beer is gonna be. And the higher your temperature, the more viscous, the more thick and the sweeter your beer is gonna be. And so that was the one of the things we were worried about was how sweet is this beer going to be because the mash temperature was a little high. Fortunately, it dropped right back down. Again, I was mentioning earlier, denaturing doesn't really happen, doesn't start to happen until about 165 to 170. And so the only thing you're doing is out, like even at 157 to 158, the other enzyme is still working. It's just not working 
as hard or as efficiently as it could if you were in that ideal temperature range. Yeah, and for us, we really crafted this recipe to already have a lot of body from yep. the grain bill. Exactly. And that's one of the things I was enjoyed the best out of this was working with Andrew on crafting the recipe for this kind of level, this volume that I've never worked at. But the, the, the back and forth to say, hey, here's what I want to see. Here, here's what I want to taste. Yep, we can do this. And here's what our system can do. We got to do some of this. And to come back and say, hey, now on brew day, we're starting to miss our temp because we're going to get two yep. full bodies of beer because we got a crap ton of oat, wheat DME mm-hmm. to give it that body. We want that. We want that dryness. Yeah, we want drier. that alcohol. Absolutely. So that's where I panicked a little, but we were able to bring it back. Yep. You know, mash for a little longer, get the uh, Play-Doh that we wanted. Yep. And we had the nice long boil. So we hit our volumes mm-hmm. that we wanted to hit. So we're going to get full-bodied. I don't want to say viscous, but it's going to be, yeah, yeah it, it's going to be it's a big be a ass stout. beer. And uh, let me just say, this is why I like working with people who've actually homebrewed before is because usually if I've worked with someone who's homebrewed before versus someone who's never homebrewed before, on the pilot system, if I work with somebody who's a homebrewer before, it almost always turns out right the first time, which is something that I like. So we're talking about very technical things, about the actual brewing process. Now, let's talk about what those technical aspects are actually going to uh, translate into the flavor profile. We, we had a little tasting today of the, the pilot batch with the, uh, the coffee edition, and it was my first time trying it. Jim and Andy, you had tried it before. I thought it was fantastic. I think, I think you guys took everything that uh, you do perfectly with the batshit crazy, which is an amazing uh, coffee brown ale, and translated that into a bigger stout. And uh, what, what sort of variations did you guys have to do on the coffee and the, uh, the percentages to kind of account for the stout as opposed to a brown ale? First off was, first thing we were talking about was, you know, what kind of beer and like, I like our bash of crazy because it's a very, very in-your-face coffee beer. That's actually, personally, I love coffee and I love all those aromatics. But I think we were deciding that, you know, that's a very coffee-dominant beer. And so I think what we were deciding, what it came up when we were talking about this, was we wanted the coffee for this stout to play a little bit more of a subtle role. We wanted it to contribute and complement, but not ultimately be the centerpiece of the beer. Um, In our bash of crazy, the coffee is the centerpiece. But for this beer, we wanted to contribute so we decided i think jim you suggested using the anodyne dark sumatran yep. and then i recommended doing a oh sorry go ahead I, i'm just gonna say so one of the things that i found unbelievable was you guys were willing to go in with me on this experiment with the crazy grist bill the grains that we put on here are going to provide a lot of that roast flavor a lot of the chocolate flavor that a lot of people do additions later on to try to get back into the beer and you're, and this is why I love working with Andrew. He's like, how can we make this all work together? And just add a slight coffee addition with the anodyne and just elevate it a little bit more. And I think we did that with the, uh, the, the South Pacific, 75% dark roast, 25% light roast. And frankly, it, it's unbelievable. You, when this beer warms up a touch, the coffee flavor is unbelievable. At such a slight addition. Yeah, I think it's it's awesome, and it like hits the nail on the head from a description standpoint. You know, when we were talking about batshit crazy, that's a coffee brown ale. You know, we didn't want this to be a coffee stout. We want this to be an awesome stout 
And it's awesome because of the complexity that we get from adding coffee and adding maple. So I think we all think that the pilot batch are now fantastic. Uh, internally, uh, most of your staff that have tried it think the same way. What do you think the scale-up is going to do to the beer? Really, I don't think it's going to do anything altogether that much. The only thing the scale-up would do is usually on our pilot batches, we tend to get less attenuation, especially on bigger beers, because we don't have we don't have really effective temperature control for a five-gallon batch. We're just doing it in carboys. So I think on the large batch, we're going to get a little bit more dryness coming out of that beer because the yeast is going to be a lot happier and a lot more efficient, simply because like it's easier for us also to make sure we hit nutrient levels and oxygen levels for the yeast so I kind of see it probably fermenting out drier than the pilot patch did but we already have an ace up our sleeve on that front because we decided that we were going to add straight maple syrup in secondary and adding it in secondary as opposed to adding it in the boil is going to leave a lot more of that flavor even though the sugar is going to um, ferment out it's going to leave a lot more of that maple character in the beer well and also this high temp might help that a little bit yeah you know I mean we did plan for that in the recipe that we knew we wanted to get more long chain sugars anyways but you know because when we when we tried the test batch for the first time a lot of it was it was too sweet but then when i got the chance to mellow out for a couple weeks in the keg in the cooler you know you have a little bit different taste profile and and yeah that was the thing is this beer but yeah that was the thing i noticed when we tasted the beer today was even over what we tasted it originally it only got better yeah it did it was amazing the coffee got better over the last couple weeks it's like a good bowl of chili you know when you make it it's super awesome and you let it sit for a little it's even better chili jim are you hungry you were hungry at lunchtime too weren't you (laughs) <laughs> and the coffee additions are spectacular. And you guys pitched a lot of yeast. Uh, honestly, I saw it. You pitched more yeast than I've ever seen probably in my life into this beer. And that's super awesome to see because one of the things beyond the grist bill, you can have the best grist bill, you can hit your temps. you got to pitch your yeast on moss. It's got to be a lot of yeast, otherwise your will attenuate, will never hit the mark. So with the coffee addition to this beer... Will this have the sellerable symbol on the label, or will that coffee addition fade over time? I think in the ratios that we're adding the coffee, it's not going to be... What we've noticed with our Bash It Crazy is that that really intense aromatic rush of coffee actually ends up fading pretty quickly. But I think at the levels that we're adding it, I absolutely believe that this beer is going to be a sellerable beer because, again, the coffee isn't the centerpiece. I mean, the coffee is there to contribute to the actual beer and support the beer itself. So I do believe that it will be absolutely... There's no reason why you wouldn't be able to sell her this beer. Yeah, it's not like the, the beer's going to... We're building the beer to taste great right when it comes out. We're not building the beer to taste awesome three years from now, but it's going to taste awesome but in a different way. I mean, our, our roast characters are going to go through their traditional process of turning into figs and, and dark fruits, and you know that coffee aroma will, will definitely back off a little bit, but... So talking about aging this beer, especially with the coffee variant, I know, Henry, that we had talked about possibly we have 30 barrels of this stuff, so there's a possibility of putting some of that into uh, some bourbon barrels or even some rum barrels. What what were you thinking about? Well, I think there was another alternate spirit barrel, too, that was proposed that sounded pretty fun, too. Oh, what was that one? What was that called? I think Jesus, you came up with. Uh, That was uh, aging in tequila barrels and calling it El Salado Nonfello. 
It's a fun name. It, it's <laughs> worth it. I don't know if it's going to taste <laughs> taste good, but I think it's worth it for yeah. the name. <laughs> and then and then the Scotch Barrel would be the mixed salad non fail, and we could, uh, we could do variations <laughs> that way. Well, it's uh, really interesting you guys are talking about that because I think the pilot batch that we did taste that was fermented with a late addition of brown sugar as opposed to maple, and that was one of the things we decided we wanted to switch to maple. But I think like get that brown sugar lent a molasses character that actually really helped help support that beer so it'll be really interesting to see like what that beer does inside of a rum barrel so i'm actually pretty excited for that yeah what i what i'd really love to do is usually when we do barrels it comes in twos you know you got to fit two barrels on a barrel rack so it'd be fun to do a couple different barrels of said beer and then potentially look into grabbing um, some barrels from twisted path uh, here in milwaukee they have an awesome rum that have rum barrels and we've aged a few beers in there before, and it's been pretty tasty. So, yeah, and we love the idea of doing something local, you know, a local distillery, and then using those same barrels. I, I think it it fits in the spirit of the the beer that we're going for. We've got an awesome community here in Milwaukee, full of all of it. So, get out there and visit everyone, folks. So, from a crowdsourcing point of view, we've done the initial meeting to come up with the beer. We came up with the the label. We came up with the we we did the tasting. So now we did the brew day. So what's what's next? We got a couple different things. Well, eventually, we're going to be drinking this beer. We'll start with the end game in mind, right? So we're going to have a release party of some sorts. Hopefully, you guys have some friends that you, you want to bring to celebrate the release of this new beer. At least two. At least two. We, nice. We have nice. And none of you count. And we don't count. So that'll be fun. Um, also, it's awesome to get this beer out about in the market, see where it's going to end up on tap. And then um, from the perspective of we're putting it in bottles... You know, that's another thing that we'll be putting this beer into big old 22-ounce bottles. And in the normal crowdsource aspect of, of the, the business model, people put their money where their mouth is and say, if I want my beer to be brewed, you know, I'm going to buy either a two-pack or a four-pack of those bottles. And we work with um, an online liquor store to ship them all across the U.S. so it can ship straight to your door or get them picked up here in uh, the Milwaukee Taproom. You still do the Madison option for pickup? Yes, and the Madison option as well. And also, I think a pro tip here is pre-order is the best time to buy the beer. Oh right? yeah, yeah. You you get the cost breaks. You know, it's it's pretty. You back it ahead of time. It's like Kickstarter. You know, you get it at a pretty hefty discount. Yeah, an extremely hefty discount. Honestly, our beer, not to pimp ourselves, would be very expensive. Uh, but if you pre-order it today, you will get it at an unbelievable discount. For the low price of nine ninety nine, I don't even know what the low price is, but uh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> and the link to uh, to find that is www.mobcraftbeer.com backslash recipes backslash tap dash takeover. So be sure to uh, to get your pre-orders in because it is the absolute best time to order your beer is pre-ordering. It's pretty much like buy three bombers, get one free. It, it really it. is. I mean, yeah. it's an unbelievable price that you sell that. Well, you know, it's what we're going to do. You know, you back the concept ahead of time. You get in the model of uh, submit voting and then eventually drinking the beer. Want to make sure that people get that uh, little discount kick and yeah. can get it ahead of time. And we did say that if, it, if we weren't happy with this beer, we would say something. But we, we actually are very pleased with this beer. The base beer was amazing. The coffee adjunct was which we were having today a lot of you know between the four of us we said we weren't just gonna rubber stamp this thing it is really what we represent and i think it is a it's an amazing beer 
And really, it's been interesting getting a, a peek behind the curtain into the crowdsourcing model. You know, the, the model that you guys have kind of made famous, I don't think there's too many other people in, uh, in not only in Milwaukee, but in the nation doing what you guys are doing. And so it's, it's really interesting to see. We did a tasting where we were able to taste the base beer with maple. And it's interesting to be able to taste the base beer with the coffee. And then you have to kind of take your imagination, the way the brewers do, and, uh, and kind of wrap your mind around what would it taste like with both of those things without ever actually tasting both of those things in the beer. And then being able to come up with that final recipe. I, I just want to thank you guys for being able to, uh, to invite us behind that curtain. And is this... Has this been a typical um, uh, crowdsourcing thing for you guys, or has this been a, a little bit different the way that uh, you guys typically do it? Well, I mean, there's normally not microphones and video cameras when we're trying <laughs> to figure this stuff out, but I mean, from an ideation perspective and how the in-depth level that we talk about the beers and what we want them to end up like, I'd say it's pretty spot on. Um, rarely do we get the opportunity to interact with whoever came up with the beer this many times. You know, it's been easy to have you guys come back at all steps in the process. So getting that feedback, I mean, and not often to four people at the same time submit a beer. So As in four people submit the same beer, <laughs> not four people submitting beers at once, because that happens oh. all the time. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> so from, from my perspective, yeah, it's different in the fact that we've been able to hang out a lot. We've been able to sample a lot of beer, and that's been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And you guys came in here knowing exactly what you wanted and exactly how you wanted to achieve it, and that always makes the process go a lot smoother. Yeah, for me, the fact that you guys were even willing to come along on us with this journey to, to brew a tap takeover beer, regardless of what it is, that's so amazing. And the fact that you opened that ability up to everyone else, regardless of where you are in this country, uh, we recommend it wholeheartedly. <laughs> Yeah, I, we, I think we made it easy on you guys. All we asked you guys to do was brew the best beer that you guys <laughs> had, which is not too much to ask, I would think. <laughs> no, we I gotta, always say every beer is better than the last one. I want to talk about a little antidote just to, to kind of phrase this whole experience up. We were downstairs. There was another pilot batch going on, five gallon, and this kid was just like, I can't believe a brewery will let you do this. <laughs> it was just amazing, and his reaction basically summed up everything that I can't believe we're doing this. And it's, it's been a lot of fun, and we just want to thank you. And it's, well, it's been definitely. Great. I mean, it's, it's so easy for us to do this because when we look at our company and we look what we want to represent and stand for, you know, the first thing on our whole entire business plan is beer experience. You know, and like we want people to experience beer. And it's the thing that we love. It's the thing that we're passionate about. So, um, for instance, the guy that was brewing a, a pilot batch, that was a, a tour beer. He was on a tour. He submitted an idea for a beer at one, so he brewed a 10-gallon you know, batch of it. You know, the same thing with you guys. Like, you know a lot about beer. You're passionate about beer. Let's experience it. Let's open it up. You know, we don't ever want to be closed, you know, and, and shut off. And, like, here's our beer. You can know nothing about what happens on the inner workings of our brewery. It's like, <laughs> you love what we love. So thank you guys for helping us have a super fun time doing it. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you guys for joining us again. And we'll be back for the actual release party. That is going to be a fantastic day. So Well, you might tuned. as well come for the bottling, too. We'll probably have you guys back here a few more times. Just um, Free we labor. <laughs> well, once the beer's done fermenting, we'll taste it again, and then we'll start experimenting. First thing I'm going to do is probably tomorrow or the next day I'm going to drive off five gallons of actively fermenting beer and then I'm going to use the maple syrup at your recommended dosing rate 
and get that to ferment out. And hopefully that'll ferment a, a lot quicker than the big batch. And so we can get an idea by the time we're actually ready to add the maple, which I think I have set for about 14 days in the fermentation for that beer. We'll get a pretty good idea of where that flavor is going to be at. That's the fun part because this beer ain't done, right? There's still <laughs> going to be a maple edition. There's still going to be a coffee edition. You know, it's still a beer in the works. But by the time you're hearing this, it may be a beer that is ha- that has been brewed and will be able to be tasted. And we cannot wait to bring you the dates that that will actually happen. Uh, we're looking forward to it ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and we will let you know as soon as that date is announced. So thank you uh, so much for joining us on the Tap Takeover podcast today. Looks like we're out of beer for me, for Alex. For Andy. Jesus. And I'm Jim. Henry. Andrew. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Woo! It's been a solid non-fail production. No more beer for you. He said there's no more.